remain standing, please open your Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 38. Isaiah chapter number 38. middle of your Bible, that should be Psalms, and then you go forward a book or two, maybe three, you'll run right into Isaiah. Turn to chapter number 38 of the book of Isaiah, and we'll begin reading at verse number one. I will read out loud, and you read along with me silently, but we'll read these together. Everybody there? Isaiah chapter 38, starting in verse number one. In those days, Hezekiah, sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, now he's praying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and, ha and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Verse 4. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. Go back to verse number 1 will be our text verse. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Father, thank you for the Bible. I ask you to please help us now this morning. I have no idea who may be in here. I have friends, I have acquaintances, I have people I just met. Some may say they're saved and perhaps they're not, not realizing the truth. Others may be here for the first time and not really sure what to do or what to believe. I pray, Holy Ghost of God, you'll make it plain to them. I pray that I will not add to any confusion that may be in a person's life, but with the word of God may actually clear up possibly some confusion that maybe they've been taught. Help that the word of God, we'd all understand. Let God be true and every man a liar. If I disagree with God, it's not God that's misleading, deceiving, or lying. Somebody else has done that. So I ask you, Lord, please bring us all up underneath the table of the word, your word, and help us to partake of that this morning. Thank you for all you've done for us. Help us, please, this morning. For Christ's sake, we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Burdened down with sin, no happiness was found within. I never knew the meaning of joy down in my soul. When at last I finally knelt, contentment filled my soul like I never felt. Heaven came down, there was glory all around. Save my soul. And I remember the day. I remember the day that the Lord saved me. 
life of peacefulness deep within my heart abides since the day that Jesus took my sins away and now to heaven I will go to spend the endless ages while they ever Praising his name for the glorious day that he saved my soul. And I remember the day, I remember the day that the Lord saved me. All of heaven came down. All of heaven came down. I was happy and free. I was happy and free. Glory filled my soul. Glory filled my soul. For I knew the Lord had made me whole. I shall never forget the day that the Lord saved me. And I remember the day, remember the day that the Lord saved me. forget the day when the Lord saved me. chapter number 38, Isaiah chapter number 38. Glad to have you with us this morning. Thank you for making up your mind to get out of bed this morning and come to the house of the Lord. Appreciate that very, very much. Isaiah chapter 38, verse number one. Isaiah chapter 38 and verse number one. Every time you come to church, you ought to bring a Bible. You say, oh, I trust you, preacher. I appreciate that, but I'd rather you say, I saw it in the Bible. Too many people running around said, I heard the church I used to go to, the preacher I used to hear, but nobody says hardly ever, I know that's in the Bible. I know where to find it. I wish we would learn how to do that. Look at verse number one of chapter 38 of Isaiah. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. In 1976, I had been saved about four years, over in uh, Colorado, there's a, a river called the Big Thompson Canyon, and there's a river there, and there were some, they called them back then the Campus Crusaders, they were camping there and having a meeting down in that area, and uh, a lot of people that day died because of a turbulent storm that took place. They were there, and the uh, 
the founder's wife, her name was Vanetta Bright, said, it still haunts me to this day. She said, there we were. I happened to glance at my watch, and it was 9.45 p.m. And all of a sudden, we heard someone over loudspeakers telling everybody, and here's what they said. They said, evacuate, evacuate, seek higher ground. And so then, almost immediately after that, the voice came back on, said, do not pack up anything. Get to your cars. Get to higher ground. Find shelter. And so what happened was there was this flood that came down this, this canyon, and the last words of some of the staffers that were there to be heard by others was this. We're ready. Dear Lord, it's been great serving you. We are ready. If this is our day to die, we are ready. Those were the last words of those pe people there. This was the triumphant prayer that they said before they died. Isaiah is here, and uh, Isaiah comes, comes to Hezekiah and tells him what God said. You need to straighten your house up, talking about his life, because you're going to die and you're not going to live. And so Isaiah immediately began to cry. He began to pray. He began to set himself aside for the Lord because he heard this message. And I'm telling you, it bothered him. It bothered him a lot. Do you understand? I don't care what your philosophy is. Well, I'm Buddhist. Well, I'm Muslim. Well, I'm uh, Jehovah's Witness. I'm Catholic. Okay, just stop all of that. I, want to ask you, I don't care if you're Baptist. Listen, be careful. There is one step between you and death. There's one brace. I'm in good shape. So you've never heard of a basketball player who runs all the time, fall over dead on the court? you never heard of that? I just preached a week or two ago about walking through a cemetery and looking at all of the dates on gravestones. Not everybody's 80 and 90 years old when they die. You do understand that, right? So you have to understand there's one step between you and death. There's one breath between you and death. There's only one. It would behoove each of us to constantly make sure that we are ready all the time for we do not know the time when God may call us home. Let me say something. The Bible said it's appointed unto man once to die. You have an appointment. You said, when is that? Only God knows that. You say, well, that's not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? Look how long some of us have lived in sin and rebellion and doing what we want to do. God didn't kill you. God has given you week after week and month after month and decade after decade, and look what we still do. I think I'm confused. Well, I'm too smart for that. Well, I just don't want to do that. God didn't kill you. But the Bible does say to Hezekiah, he said, you better get your house in order because you're going to die and you're not going to live. So I want to ask you a question. Set your house in order. Why? Why? What's the big deal? Let me give you some points here on something you may want to consider about this. First of all, because it's a command of God. In Isaiah 38, verse number 1, he said, Set your house in order, for you're going to die. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody in this room is going to die. You say, oh, I hope it's not today, so you're not ready. Oh, no, I have plans, so you're not ready. You're not thinking about God. You're not thinking about eternity. You're not thinking about heaven or hell. You're not thinking about Jesus Christ. You're thinking about what you have planned for your life. And God said, what you really need to do is set your house, your life, in order. Number two, because your house is out of order. You say, I think it's okay. Okay, well, let's just listen to God. Hey, look up here. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what the Bible says. Okay? God said that. Now, here you are arguing with God right now, aren't you? 
I don't know if I agree with that. You're arguing with God. So who should I listen to, you or God? Okay? So I want you to go, if you would, please, to John chapter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament, John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. Here we have a very good church-going, if you would, religious man who actually taught other people Bible. It was Old Testament, but he was teaching Bible. That was his job. What he did was he was a teacher of the Jews. He taught other people about God. Jesus comes to him. So here this mind, this guy's got his mind all made up of what he should do, how he should go about it, everything about it. And he comes to Jesus by night because Jesus wasn't real popular like today. And he says this, look at verse number one, chapter number three. There was a man of the Pharisees. Pharisees were the top religious people of their day. If you said, who's the most religious person of your day? The Pharisees. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew that. Watch what happens. His name was Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And the saying came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus said unto him, verily, verily. Look, Jesus cuts right to the, ch- right to the chase. This guy's teaching other people about God. He comes to Jesus and said, look, I know you're a teacher. Okay, you know I'm a teacher? Here's what I'm teaching you. Watch what he says, verse number three. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wait a minute, Jesus, you are talking to a very religious man. You are talking to a very good moral man. You're talking to the top of the line in society. And Jesus doesn't mention one word about that, but tells this man, you must be born again or you can't even see the kingdom of God. Now look at the next verse. Nicodemus said unto him, here's here's human reasoning. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now he's thinking naturally. Okay, by birth, you come through a man and a woman, get together, that baby grows inside that mommy, comes through that mommy. How are we going to do that again? I'm a grown person. So here's a guy, check this out. He's teaching things about God, and Jesus tells him an absolute truth, and he doesn't understand it. I'm amazed. I talked to some of you and many, many other people about I think are very plain truths, basic truths of the Bible. And what they have been taught and where they're used to going, they're so confused, they get scripture out of context. They get uh, uh, things that God wants people to see. Way off somewhere like, what? What does that mean? I can't believe, I have no idea what preachers are teaching out there anymore. I have no idea what churches are really doing anymore. I only know what we do here. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Nobody has ever left this church in over 34 years and said, you're not preaching Bible. But when I hear other people come here, I'm going, what? Your preacher said, what? Now, it's true. You may have misunderstood. But I'm still baffled by how little people seem to be learning at churches anymore. It's all entertainment. And then we have a little preaching right here. And that little preaching is so pablum, so lukewarm, so dummy down, so that everybody, including all the sinners and whoremongers and thieves and anybody else that happened to be in the crowd, can still feel pretty good about themselves. You, you probably notice we don't do that here. Okay, now, so watch what happens here. Look at verse number four. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Great question, great question. 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, except a man, uh, I'm sorry, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, that's your first birth. That's your first birth. That's not baptism. That's your first birth. How do I know that? Watch this. Of the spirit And of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Watch. For that which is born of flesh is flesh. That's your water baptism. That's the way you came in this world. That, that, that's your water baptism. That was wrong. That is your earthly birth. Okay, that's, that's your first birth. You ever wonder why it's called being born again? Because your first birth is a flesh. You're born after a man and a woman after flesh. Your second birth is spiritual and it takes place in here. Watch what he says. Watch, watch. Verse 6, he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of capital S, spirit, Holy Spirit, is spirit. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus, what, what is, how, how do you, why is this baffling you? Why is it you do not understand that if a man is not born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God? How, how, how is this throwing you? He goes on down here and he said, he tells him, he said, the things of nature you don't even understand. He tries to explain to him a, a, something about nature, the wind, the wind blows. People said, boy, did you see the wind? No, you didn't either. You see the effects of the wind. You didn't see the wind. That's like gravity. You didn't see gravity. You saw the effects of gravity, right? Okay, you can't see the second birth. You can see the first birth. The second birth takes place in here. And a man must be born, not the first time, the second time, must be born again of the Spirit. No Nicodemus, you can't go back inside your mother and start all over again. Who in the world would want to do that to begin with? So... What you have here is basically Jesus is telling Nicodemus, this church-going good fella, can't tell you how many, we talked to hundreds and hundreds of people yesterday, our church going out knocking doors, talking to people about Jesus. You think we brought with us a gun or something. And uh, just talking to people about being born again. So much confusion, so much confusion, so much misleading. And most people think, guys, lots of people tell me, look, preacher, I, I don't cuss much anymore. Okay, move him up the ladder. Uh, and I, I don't steal or hurt anybody. Whoop, move him up the ladder. Folks, you must be born again, not move up the ladder. You have to be saved. There is no ladder. There's no ladder. There's human birth, second birth. You, you understand? This is what he told Nicodemus. So we find out in verse number three, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling this religious man, you, your house is out of order. You're in church, but your house is out of order. He's talking to this man. Christian, if you died today, is your house in order? I'm talking to Christian. I'm talking to lost people. I'm talking to you who claim to be saved. If I were to ask you right now, are you saved? Well, well yeah, I think I am. Or, well, I'm trying to be. Or I'm working at it. Or yes, sir, preacher, I am. No doubt about it. One of those categories you find yourself in. Okay, let's assume that everybody in here is saved. We're going to assume. We're going to assume. Let's assume everybody in here is saved. Now that you're saved, if Jesus called you home, you ready to meet him? Come on, I got it. Did you hear that pin hit the floor? You know why? First thing we start doing is thinking, boy, am I? I think so. Well, I'm working on this, right? This is the first thing we start thinking about. You either are right with God or you're not right with God. He came to Nicodemus, who was his king. God set him there and said, Nicodemus, you better get your house in order. And here's the reason why. You're going to die and you're not going to live anymore. 
If God came to you and told you that and said, looked right at you and said, listen to me, you get your house in order because you're getting ready to die. Well, see, I just don't believe that. I don't think that would be your answer. I think you'd take it a little more seriously. Next, why set my house in order? Because your soul is very valuable. Man is a, what they call a triper type, a three-part being, body, soul, spirit. Okay? If you're not saved, you have a spirit, but it's dead to the things of God. That's why you can't understand the Bible. You keep scratching your nog and going, yeah, that doesn't make sense, and that doesn't make sense, and that doesn't seem to make sense, and that doesn't make sense to me, and I don't understand that. That's because without the spirit, you're none of his. The Bible said, no man knoweth a man better than the spirit of, I know me better than anybody. And the Bible said, no man knoweth God more than the spirit of God. So if the spirit and my spirit meet together, he said, the spirit comes in and quickens, makes alive my spirit. Now I can understand spiritual things. The Bible said, God hath given us the mind of the Lord. How? We have the author, spirit of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I have a pen in my pocket. This pen has never come up with an idea. This pen has never written anything on its own. It is simply a tool. I'm the author. I'm the one that writes things down. And so we look at this, and people of the world, they throw you so easily. Well, men wrote that book. Just go like this. Well, sure they did. It'll throw them completely because they're used to an argument. No, they didn't. So just tell them, yeah, I'm sure. What? You believe that? Yeah, but the author is the Holy Ghost of God. They say those things because they don't know their Bible, and most Christians don't either, so we're not sure how to answer them, and that's normally what we do. So what we find out here, because your soul is very valuable. Go to Mark chapter number 8. We're going to turn a little bit. You're in John. Go back two books. Mark chapter number 8. Look at verse number 36 and verse number 37. Your soul is so valuable. Every man's soul, whether you're going to heaven or hell, is eternal. Now, you'll either end up eternally in hell, your soul will, or eternally in heaven. Your body will be destroyed, eaten by worms, burned up in a fire, whatever the case is. We pay so much attention to the body when it's the soul you ought to be concerned about. And so what happens here is simply this. Go down to Mark chapter number 8, verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? Now let your mind run. Isn't this what you want? Boy, if I just had a mansion. Boy, if I could hit the lottery. Boy, if I had a Tesla. Boy, if I could have, boy, if I, diamonds and jewels. Oh, if I could live there. Oh, if I could travel here. Right, right? So we, we start putting a monetary value on the world. Boy, if I could be the richest man in the world. There'll always be somebody richer than you. And besides that, I have a question for you. When you die, guess how much you're taking with you? Nothing. We're willing to kill. We're willing to lie, deceive, cheat, and turn our back on God for material stuff. Look how valuable, look up here, teenager, mom, dad, look how valuable you are to the Lord. Watch what he says. For what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole, the whole world, the whole world, and lose his own soul? Boy, that's a good question. What, what does that mean? The whole world and my soul. No, no, no. The whole world and your soul. Ready? Watch what he says. Oh, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What he's saying is if you exchange your soul, all the material stuff in the world is not compared to it. 
That's how much God considers you and thinks about you. That's how. So the world has our young people and a lot of our older people thinking they don't amount to much. They're not worth much because you're comparing yourself to what the world has to offer and look how much that is. When God said, no, here's what I look at. I look at the soul of an individual and I just want to ask you, what would you give in exchange for your soul? The whole world? You're more valuable than that to God to God. So what happens here? To give you some insight is the value Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Look, look up here. Look up here. God has one only begotten son. Talking to somebody, I, I think it was yesterday or I, I can't remember. And they said, uh, well, yeah, I know about Jesus and the devil. They were brothers at one time and, and God needed a, a, a salvation plan. So God said, okay, devil and, and, and Jesus, uh, you two come up with a plan. I'll pick one. There's no Bible for that at all. That's, that's Jehovah's Witness Mormon type doctrine. That's what they come up with and it's not true. And the devil and God are not fighting it out. Boy, I hope somebody wins. I don't need to hope. I already know who's going to win. You see, God is God Almighty. The devil is a created angel by God. God is actually using him. Just because we don't understand what God is doing doesn't mean God doesn't understand what he's doing. So what do we have here? Jesus, God's only begotten son. Here's how valuable you are, right? He gave his son for you. That's how valuable you are. You are so valuable to God that he's willing to allow his son to come down here to be beaten, go through all of that, punched in the face, eyes were blackened, beard pulled out, lashes across his back, nailed to a cross, put in a dirty uh, hole in the ground. God said, you're worth it. God said that. Why set your house in order? I think this would make sense. But being out in the world the way I used to be, we tend to forget even as Christians just how fleeting and fragile life is. We forget about that. Life is so uncertain. Go to James right after the book of Hebrews, way up by Revelation. Okay? James after the book of Hebrews, way, way up in the New Testament. Okay? James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4, look at verse number 14. Life is so uncertain. Do we not live, though, as though I'm in good health? I ran into a guy yesterday uh, trying to convince me he's going to be able I said, sir, what if you die today? First thing he said was, no, I'm in pretty good health. Isn't it great that doctors are going to be allowed to live forever? Isn't that wonderful? Do doctors are figuring out in science that we're going to be able to live forever. We're hoping they figure that out. You know why? Because we're not ready to die. We are not ready to face God. But watch, watch what it says, James 4, 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow or tomorrow, for what is your life? That's a good question. What's it amount to? What is it? It is even as a vapor. Boy, I put a lot of stock in vapor, don't you? Man, that vapor would be here. For, I saw a vapor this morning. It would be here forever. As soon as the sun come up, it's gone. Watch what he says. It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time. That's our life. You're not here forever. You're not hanging around forever. You're not one day going to die when you're really, really sick. You could be driving down the road, wham, and die. See, you're not ready. We're not ready. So because life is so uncertain, the Bible said it appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. It just goes. Okay, where are some of the friends you used to have? Oh, preacher, they died. Oh, you mean they were here and then they're gone? So the Bible's true again. 
I, I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings by saying I don't think I will. Just to show you how uncertain life is, uh, Mrs. Mullins in here? Just one second. Uh, Mrs. Mullins' husband, Steve, died from complications uh, of health and was in a hospital. And he died. With all that help around him, he died. Good man, church-going man, raised good family, loved his wife, loved his preaching. That's what put him over the top right there. Dan Miller, Miss Miller's here, and uh, we were at a uh, house enjoying life, enjoying friends, and he began to choke. There had to be 25, 30 or more people in the room. And Dan Miller fell over on the floor after numerous people tried to do different things to help him not choke. And the whole room watched as he lay on the floor with every local help you could find. Fire department, EMTs, police department. I mean, they were there in a hurry. They brought everything they knew to bring. He died that day. Choked to death that day. You see, it's not always the way you plan. It's not always just when you're ready, so we have to stay ready. My wife's uncle, Curtis, uh, she, uh, her, her um, mother, who's in heaven now, has five brothers. Her mother's an only girl. My wife's an only girl and has five brothers. I'm not sure they planned it that way, but that's what it worked out. And uh, what happened one day, here's a guy that loved the Lord, beautiful wife, great kids, lived out in the country, went to church all the time, ate healthy, actually worked at um, Hershey Company there in Marysville. I'm not sure if it's still there, but that's where he used to work. And they would have these places where men can go and swim pool, play volleyball, that kind of stuff, and that's what they were doing. So he was there one day, and I remember when I used to go to his house when I was dating my wife, and the most loving couple you've ever seen before. I mean, they were nice to each other, not, not like folks I, I know. And uh, so uh, they were very kind in words and actions, you know, and I thought, man, that's the way to do it. While he was at his company and they were playing some water volleyball before it was time to go to work or after or something, somebody knocked the ball out of the um, area that you were supposed to play in, and he went to get it and never came back. His heart exploded, just like that. Life is kind of uncertain, isn't it? You just never know. Could be in a hospital. Could be in a friend's home. Could be while you're just enjoying life. There used to be a teenage girl that used to come here and rode our buses. And one day uh, we heard on the news, I think it was the next day, if we did not receive a call. And I've told you this story before. And these aren't the only stories I have. She lived here on the west side, and her daddy was somewhat of a builder, a remodeling type person. And you know, most of the houses on the west side are actually three stories. You have the main floor, the second floor, and they have these huge attics. Well, he decided, why waste all that room? So he went up and remodeled the whole thing so he'd have extra bedrooms and so on and so forth for all the kids. And so he did that, and then one night he was awakened by the cry of fire. He knew something was wrong. He woke up, and uh, he went to get everybody out, and they said, no, two of the kids are still upstairs, third floor. So he gets a ladder, which he had because he was a builder. He goes on the front uh, 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 roof, you know how it is, over top of a, uh, of a porch, and he went up there, set the ladder up, went all the way to the third floor with an extension ladder, and yelling for his kids that should have been there. One of them barely made it out, and he's looking for his other daughter. In the night, 
she decided to go to the other end of the house. They couldn't find her. Nobody claimed that. Nobody had an excuse for that. She died. I think she was 13 years old. 13. Died. You think they planned that? You think they knew that was coming? Folks, you listen to me. Life is so uncertain. Please set up. Life is so uncertain. It's so uncertain. But do we not make plans like we're going to live forever? I'll guarantee you there are people here still making plans for what? When you retire and you're like, what, 30? Yeah, when I retire, you'll probably die the day before you retire. And all that money, yeah, that woman you're living with, she's going to get it all. You're not going to enjoy a thing. Forget the sailboat. Forget the kicking back down south. Forget it. Forget the fishing expedition. Forget the whole thing. There's a young boy used to attend here. Weird, weird accident. We call them accidents, don't we? He was down under a viaduct down here. Um, I, th- I don't think it was in the bottom. I think it was downtown somewhere. And he was underneath a viaduct and uh, the water there. You know how kids are always looking for a place to go swimming. And he was swimming down there. And when he came out, he went up and touched a fence. That went from both sides of that overpass this way and electrocuted himself to death. He did not know. Didn't do it on purpose. Wasn't planned. Still a young boy. We always think, do we not think? Yeah, he, he's talking to old people. I'm not talking to old people. I don't know if you looked at the crowd here. Ain't a whole lot of us old guys around here. So I'm talking to you. I don't care if you're a teenager, you listen to me. And quit talking about, well, uh, guns kill kids. No, kids are killing kids. Kids are killing kids. And the only thing you're concerned about is some magical cure for the whole thing. I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. You need to get saved, start living the way God wants you to, quit acting like a heathen, a little whoremonger, running around everywhere, thinking nobody can control you. God can, but you got to give your life to him. Is your passport ready for eternity? I'm just asking you. You ready for that trip? Are you ready? Is your passport ready? Do not neglect. You may need it sooner than you think. I know what you're thinking today. I wonder how long you'll preach. We're going to a steakhouse. We get done here. My wife is home cooking dinner. First of all, what's she doing there? She's probably got it prepared for 12 o'clock. She's going to get upset with you when you finally get there at 1 or 2. You ever think maybe sometimes when somebody else's life, it's their turn, you'll go during that time? No? There's a caption in the news, come from a news dispatch in London years ago. Actually, it was in 1972. It's the worst air accident they'd ever suffered up to that time. 118 people died. 118 people died. Britain's worst air disaster. The attorney general came out and said the pilot suffered a mild heart attack seconds after they took off. He suffered a heart attack, 118 people died. You think when they took off that day, they were thinking of that? Do you think the pilot was thinking, you know, right if we take off, I'm probably going to have a heart attack. We don't think that way. We're not ready for death. We don't even want to think about death. We just want to go on with our life all the time. Dying that day, I am sure, was the farthest thought from me. Okay, no, you don't believe that? How about September 11th? Ring any bells? Oh, you forgot that already too? 
when some terrorists took airplanes and drove them into the world towers and then also into a field what was destined to be and also the um, uh, Pentagon. We forget, don't we? The only thing we live for is the next moment, our own enjoyment. What can I do next? You think those people in those towers were thinking, honey, I'm calling you just in case I die today. You think that's what they were doing? No, they were going on with life, just like you're planning on doing, just like I'm planning on doing. There's nothing wrong with planning about life. But did you forget about death? It is ultimate. It's going to happen. Do you think those people in the Pentagon or those people on that plane that crashed in a field out in Pennsylvania, you think they were thinking, this is my last day? They weren't thinking of that. And you think those people in that building had time to prepare? See, this is where you shut me off and let your mind dream somewhere. Because this really had nothing to do with you, right? It has something to do with every one of us. Since there's only one heartbeat, one breath, one step between us and eternity, we'd be wise. We would be wise. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, what your health is, what your income is. It would be wise. It'd just be a smart thing to do to consider, is my house in order? Am I ready to go if it should happen to me? Doesn't that just sound smart? Doesn't that just sound like a great thing to do? I think it is. Amos Chapter 4, verse number 12, don't turn there. Here's what the prophet said to Israel. Prepare to meet thy God. He said, look, you're not ready. You better prepare because he's getting ready to come. Out soul winning one day and a young man, I could tell you story after story after story. A young man, I think he might have been in his early 20s. And actually, watch this, talk about unprepared. I said, are you saved? He said, I think I am. And I said, uh, are you living for the Lord? And he quit church. I said, well, why don't you come to church? Let's get things straightened out and start living for the Lord. Here's what he said. I'm living with the Lord. Now, why would he bring that up? Because he knew it was true. You're talking to a preacher. I'm not God. I'm just a preacher. And I said, uh, what would stop you from getting saved and start serving the Lord? Here's what he said. Preacher, I know what I should do. I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a Christian home. Ready? Ready? Watch this. I can't live without it. Really? You can't live without it. Don't raise your hand, but I just wonder how many boys and girls and young men and women have had how many different partners that you said you could not live with, live without. Well, maybe some of them you couldn't live with. You go, you know, the viaduct thing. Mary loves spray paint out forever, right? You get so hung up on what you're doing at the moment, what you think is right and wrong at the moment, you have no idea what's getting ready to happen, and nobody does. But there's one thing you know is going to happen for sure, and that's death. Death is going to happen to everybody. It will come to everybody sooner or later. This is very important. Most do not think of death, so most are not prepared for death. I mean, really, how morbid is that? get up in the morning, think about death. Throughout the day, man, death must have come. But because we don't think about it, we're not prepared. The best Christians I know are not really prepared. Preach, I just need a little more time. I'm trying to quit this. I'm trying to do that. I'm not talking about salvation now. I'm talking about you living for God and ready to meet him. 
Proverbs chapter number 27. Let's see if this isn't us. 27 verse number 1. Ready? Boast not thyself of tomorrow. What are you boasting about? Tomorrow's not yours. Watch what he says. Thou fool. I'm sorry. Boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring. You may die today and you got all these plans for tomorrow. Nothing wrong with planning, but did you forget the importance of your soul and the value of your soul and Jesus gave his life for your soul and you're just going to act like all that matters is what goes on down here. You are being deceived, my dear friend. The Bible says in Luke 12, verse number 20, but God said unto him, here's a rich, young ruler. Sound like some of you business guys? Rich, young ruler. Ruler among life, I'm expecting. You know what Jesus said to him? Thou fool, this night your soul will be required. You know what he said? You're not ready. Ready or not, it's here. That's what he's talking about. Life is uncertain and you need to set your house in order. Why set my house in order? Next, because death, hell, and judgment are coming and it's sure. I don't believe in that. Really don't care what you believe. Careless. Has no influence on me or God whatsoever. I bet you're a legend in your own mind, don't you? Life's all about you, what you think, how you want to act. Really? Wow, that's pretty important. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man, sit up and listen to me, it is appointed unto man once to die. I was telling the staff the other day, you haven't lived as long as I have, but I remember back in the day when people come up with all kinds of goofy prophecy and days when Jesus was coming back. And first of all, the Bible says no man knows that. The next thing that happened after that was everybody was seeing angels. Everything was about angels. Oh, I saw an angel on my bedpost, and, and it couldn't have been my wife. She, anyway, so, so we have all these things about angels, and all of a sudden Christians start seeing angels everywhere. What, angels die? Nobody's talking about angels anymore. Oh, we, we're talking about something else now. There's a white light at the end of the tunnel. I died 45 times, and God brought me back. No, you did not, and no, he did not. The Bible says, God's word says, appointed unto man once to die. Now, you may have been clinically dead. But when God said you're dead, you're dead dead. Now we've changed that to, I actually went to heaven and God, you're watching way too many movies, too many Hallmark movies, just way too many Hallmark movies. Heaven can't wait. Yeah, it'll wait. So what you do, you start planning all this stuff in your mind. Then it becomes a dream. And all of a sudden, God showed you. Look, ladies and gentlemen, look. If it's not in the Bible, somebody's lying. Ain't God. Let God be true. You show me where anybody, after they were saved, listen to me now, God sent them back from heaven. He says, not your time. What did I die for? Oh, now we've jumped it up another step. I went to hell and God sent me back to it. And it's a woman. It's a woman. Ma'am, he didn't send you back from hell. You created, anyway, so all of these problems here. According to U.S. World Report News, uh, how many remember Mousy Tung? You know, remember who I'm talking about? He used to watch over China and that kind of stuff and watch over, use China for his own purpose. And, um, when a bunch of delegates went over there for a meeting way up in his age, he was getting ready to die, and he confessed that. But here's what he said. Here's what you never hear in the news. He visited all the diplomats, and here's what he said. I am very ill, and in his words, in his words, here's what he said. I'm talking about somebody from a communist country. 
Here is what he said. He said, I have an appointment with God. You just dismiss all that? No, I don't believe that. Here's a guy watching over a communist country said, I'm getting ready to die. You know, something happens to us when we're facing death. I mean, the reality of death. All of a sudden, we redo our doctrinal statement and we want to change our life. And I thought you didn't believe in God. Well, just in case. What do you mean just in case? He's there. So I want you to go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You're in James. Go backward four or five books. You'll bump right into it. 1 Corinthians. Child of God, listen to me. You that are saved, you say, preacher, I believe I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Whatever the case is. You think you are a child of God. I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. We have an appointment with Jesus Christ. It's called the judgment. It's not called the lovey-dovey, pleasant seat of Jesus. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. You have the judgment seat where saved people are going to go. This judgment seat has nothing to do with whether you're going to heaven or hell. You wouldn't be here if you're not on your way to heaven. This is for Christians. You have one later, I'll talk about it in a second. It's called the great white throne judgment of God. That's for sinners. Christians will never be there for judgment, never. So watch what he said. First Corinthians, for the child of God, we have an appointment. Now you can receive or lose rewards. Guess on what? Guess what I can gain or lose rewards on? Not whether you're saved, by your works. We're not talking about salvation. If you're saved, you're saved. Once saved, always saved. Forever under grace, can't lose it. God promised, so that's all done. How you live the life God gave you. God gave you life. You came to an altar. You knelt down somewhere. Oh, Jesus, save my rotten carcass. Take me to heaven when I die. Oh, please. And Jesus said, okie doke. That's what I died for. You can have it. Then you decided, a lot of people do. Look at them out in the world. I used to believe that. I used to go to church. I, 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 I. If they're genuinely saved, they're going to stand before Christ. And I just often wonder when the Bible talks about the, the books of our works, not your salvation, your works. What are you going to tell them? I didn't believe that. I had my own life to live. I thought about things differently after you saved me. What are you going to tell them? What are you going to do? Look at verse number, uh, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians, chapter number 3. Go down to verse number 13. For every man's work shall be made manifest. It's going to be brought out in the open. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know if it's going to be on a big screen TV. I don't know if it'll be shown in the clouds. I don't know. Every man's work shall be made man brought out in the open, made known. Watch what he says. Now, this is the judgment seat of Christ. This has nothing to do with whether you're going to heaven or hell. You're going to heaven to be with Jesus. And here are the rewards that you are going to gain or lose because of what we did. Watch what he says. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. That's judgment. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If a man's work abide, he shall re, he, that which he built upon, he shall receive reward. Wait a minute, we're not done. If a man, I'm sorry, if a man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. 
but he himself shall be saved. Now, here's what you think. Well, at least I'll be saved. Then why did God even bring it up? If it doesn't matter, why would he even bring it up? Well, at least you're saved. Now we're all going to the same place. It really doesn't matter anymore. Then why would he even bring that up? Here's what I think. I try to imagine in my mind our glorified Savior. I'm talking to those of you that are saved. Upon his throne, rapture takes place. We stand before Jesus, not as a group. You, then you, then you, then you, then you. What about my mom and dad? You'll stand, and 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 you'll stand. And the Bible said the books of your works are written. Here's what I think. I don't know whether they're read out loud and everybody's listening. Boy, that'd be embarrassing, huh? I hope it doesn't mean something to you tonight. Who are you going to hire? You actually think you're going to go down before a judge like downtown if you have a good attorney, you're going to get off? Everything he says is truth and right. Imagine looking at the Savior who still has the holes in his hands and in his feet and the wound in his side, sitting upon his throne, looking at you and saying, let's see what you did after I gave you life. Are, are we ready for that? Are we ready for that? Now, don't make excuses. No, I don't think I ever will be. Stop that. Stop that. The Bible said, strive ye to be perfect. He didn't say you could be, but he didn't say throw up your hands and quit. He said, no, you keep working at it. You keep heading that direction. You keep doing what I want you to do. So we find out here, already with Christ, I'm already there. But my works are being judged. Are you ready? Are you ready to tell God why you do what you do? Why you don't do what he told you to? Are we ready for all that at all? Are you ready for this? If you died today, Christian, I'm talking to Christians. Are you ready to answer for that, for your life. You don't have to answer for my life. Are you ready? How about for the unsaved? That's us. Now, I, I, honestly, I have no idea what all may be included. I don't. I just know that when the rapture takes place, the next thing takes place after that is the judgment seat of Christ, then the marriage supper of the Lamb, then we're coming back to this earth to straighten this whole mess out. Now, what about the unsaved? What about those of you that keep faking it? You're not a Christian. You know you're not a Christian. You're just trying to clean up your life and fit in with a bunch of nice people. But you're not saved. You think you have everybody fooled? Let's assume you do. You ready for this? Let's assume everybody think you're just the nicest little person in the world. If anybody's saved, she is. I, I just happen to look that way. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going, preacher? I don't know. Well, you all feel pretty guilty when I stare at you, don't you? There is one person who knows for sure. The Bible says in heaven there is a book. See, I'm big on books. Called the Lamb's Book, Lamb, Jesus Christ, Book of Life. You don't have life, you're not born again, your name's not in there. That will be there at your judgment. Go, go, to, go to Revelation chapter 20. Revela Ooh, Revelation, let's go there and read. Everybody's interested in Revelation. They're not ready for it, but they're interested in it. Revelation chapter number 20. Look at verse number 11. Now again, this is not Christians. 
This is for unsaved, lost people. Not, I'm not perfect enough or I'm trying real hard. No, no. Saved or lost? Saved or lost? That's all. Receive Christ or you haven't. That's it. That's what we're talking about right now. Look what he says in verse number 11. And I saw a great... Now, this is John, the beloved, in his being revealed what's coming, what's going to happen. He looks into the future, even from where he was at, and he says, here's what I saw. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face, just looking at him, everybody wanted, everything wanted to just run away. We do not understand absolute power and authority and holiness. and We do not understand that. Try as we may, we do not understand but watch what he says. He said, whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. This isn't just physically dead. This is the unsaved dead. That's what you're referred to if you're not saved. You're dead. You say, no, look, I'm breathing. No, you're existing, but you don't have life. Life is in Christ. Without Christ, you don't have life. You're existing, waiting to die, and one day go here. Watch what he says. And I saw the dead, small and great. It doesn't really matter who you are. Presidents kings, rulers, pulper, trash collector, builder, school kid. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference. Small and great stand before, not Jesus, God. And the books, plural, were open, which is, I'm sorry, uh, and another book, singular, was open, which is the book of life. So we have some books. A book. We're at the great white throne judgment of God, and these books are there. And every unsaved person, if you're in here, you're not saved because you go to church. People say, I go to church all the time. I'm a Christian. If walking into church enough will make you a Christian, then walking into a garage long enough should make you a car. Well, that's stupid. That doesn't happen, right? You walk into Walmart long enough, you'll be a greeter. Watch what he says. And the dead, talking about the unsaved, judge of those things which are written in the books according to their works. So you just go ahead and sow your wild oats and have your fun and, well, I just choose not to believe. Go ahead, go ahead. It's all being written down. Everything you're doing is being written down. Everything. Everything is being written down. Listen to me. Everything is being written down. is done in secret is not secret. The Bible said even the darkness is light to God. You know how you went around the corner and went like this? God saw the whole thing. God heard the whole thing. Might as well be on a loudspeaker. What you meant or did not mean, God knows. It's all written down. And you will be judged. Why? I'm going to hell. What? What's this all about? I don't fully understand this, but listen to me very carefully here. Watch what he says in verse number 13. And the sea gave up, those of you who were eaten by sharks. I have a dread about that. I don't know why. Death and hell. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them? What does that mean? Look up here very quickly. Uh, ladies, don't raise your hand, but if you've ever been to jail, I know you guys aren't. You're just not that tough. But... 
our system goes from breaking the law to being put in jail, waiting on your judgment day to decide what your punishment is going to be, to let's call it prison. Okay? Same thing here. Death. Death is not final. If you think I'll die and just rot, you're right, your body will. But your soul's eternal. You're going to stand before God. You ain't getting out of this. I don't care if sharks eat you. I don't care if you're cremated. It makes no difference. Folks, quit trying to make excuses for what God says is going to happen. God ought to know. That's why he's called God. Anyway, so here you are, right? You've been doing all of this, and then you die. You immediately, your body goes in that casket, and worms will eat you up. You'll go straight to hell before you ever get in that casket. And you will stay there until, guess when? Judgment day. You're not going to get out of facing God. And one of the things I think he's going to ask you, see there's that book of life that's there? Why didn't you accept my son? Huh. You hear that going? It's that one. Small and great. Don't make anything too involved. What excuse you have? God knows all written down. And then after the judgment, see, nobody goes from jail to prison. There's judgment. When you're dead, you don't go to heaven and get kicked out. If you're not saved, you're never going to see heaven. You're not going to see the gates. Peter's not going to kick you out. That's Catholic doctrine and Hollywood garbage. That's not true. I said that's Catholic doctrine and Hollywood garbage. That's not true. But there is a book. And God will pull you out of hell to stand before him for judgment. Once that judgment is passed and known, only God's going to do it. And he'll do it according to his word, the Bible says. Then there is a lake of fire. I don't understand this. You think going to hell is bad enough? You will be cast in there according to the judgment that God gives you. He didn't send you to hell. You chose not to accept his son. That was your decision. Watch what it says here as we finish this up. Look what it says, verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So we have the grave where dead people go. You say, well, Christians do too. Well, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You buried my body, but I ain't there. Uh Oh, you're not either. Because you instantly went to hell. I instantly went to heaven. You're not ready for this, are you? So watch what it says. Death and hell was cast in the lake fire. This is the second death. See, you're going to die physically. Now you're going to die eternally. You know why? Somebody's got to pay for your sin. You know, that ignorance you choose to live in, that I don't care about it, you know, I don't look at it that way. You know, all that kind of sinful rebellion against God's word. All of that, all of that, all that that takes place. There is a death after death. Physically, you will die. How many people have told you, I just think that's it, really? Where did you get your insight into eternity? Because you don't want to think about death. You don't want to think about being prepared. And the Bible said, after the judgment, now comes the second death. That's eternal death. You know why it's eternal? You know why hell has to last forever? Quit believing Jehovah's Witness. 
you're not going to burn up in three days. I don't care what science says. Well, our bodies can maybe at that temperature only last for three days. God says eternal is eternal. You're not getting out of this. He said, preacher, you're trying to scare me. Doing the best I know how, but you ain't listening. If so, you'd be at this altar already said, I don't want to go through that. This is the second death. The reason it's called an eternal death and a second death, physical death, eternal death. You decided not to accept God's payment for your sin, Jesus Christ. Therefore, God said that you pay for it. And because you can't, it'll last forever. Your choice. It's not what God wants. God said, look, that's not what I want. Stop right here. Stop right here. Stop right here and accept me. I don't want you to go to hell. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what God wants to talk about. So what do we find out? Look at verse number 20, chapter 21 and verse number 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murders. Oh, preacher, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a whoremonger. I'm not a sorcerer. I'm not an idolater. I'm not a liar. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Shall have their part in the lake with burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Did you see who was in among all those filthy, wicked people? An unbeliever. I just didn't believe. I just didn't believe. Go to Matthew 24. How many of you, even so far today, clear up leading to this church service, even had a passing thought that Jesus come back tonight. Wow. I got a rough feeling we're not. We're not prepared. Jesus may come today. Glad day. Glad day. And I would see my friend. Trials and troubles all in. If Jesus should come today. We're not ready. And he may come today. Matthew chapter 24. Jesus may come at any time. Look, he says, Wherefore, therefore, be ye ready, uh, also ready, for in an hour such as you think not. You weren't thinking about this morning, were you? Jesus said, now look, when everybody's heading my direction and thinking about me, I'll come back. You better quit believing what I call kingdom doctrine. We're all trying to change the world so Jesus will come back and love us. There's no Bible for that whatsoever. No Bible. No Bible. Show me the Bible. There's no Bible for that. Have you thought about him this week? Not just this morning, this week. Oh, preacher, I've just been so big, mind bent on other things. Okay, I'm just making a statement. Have you thought about him at all? Make any difference. He didn't say unless, except for those of you that are really busy. He didn't say that. If he came today, would he find you watching? You know, in the in the early century of the of the of the church in, in the book of Acts, there were people who actually sold everything they had, went out and sat on a hill and waited for Jesus to come back. Yeah, look what happened to them. I'm not sure God hold against them for actually believing he could come today. He'd hold against us for saying, I don't think he's ever coming back. Would your house, your life be in order if he returned? 
I read a story, uh, a, a, um, a person traveling in Switzerland got off the beaten path on purpose and went way over by where there was supposed to be a lake. And over by that lake was a villa that was absolutely gorgeous. Everything was perfect, pristine. Everything was trimmed and manicured. It was absolutely beautiful in everything that was going on there. And the caretaker of the place, an older man, been there a long, long time, uh, rarely saw any visitors whatsoever. Rarely saw any visitors because off the path over by a lake. Very, very beautiful. The caretaker was there working one day when, it, when this traveler came by and couldn't believe what he was seeing here. And here's what he said. You have every, do you expect your master to come tomorrow? He said, everything is so perfect. Everything's so trimmed. Like, like you're expecting him to show up tomorrow. Oh, no. I don't expect him to show up tomorrow. I keep it this way because I expect him to come today. But he hadn't been there a long time. See, we're getting weary of waiting. Yeah, my grandmother said he should come today. Look at us. He hadn't come yet, right? Right? So what happened? Here's this. I have to keep everything ready and in order. Ready? He said, in case he shows up today. Set thy house in order, Christian. Is your house in order? Why set your house in order? Because you may cross God's deadline. Proverbs real quick. We're almost done here. Proverbs. Go to know your Bible. That should be Psalms. Go to Proverbs chapter number one. Proverbs chapter number one. Drop down to verse 24. Start at verse number 24. Chapter number one, the book of Proverbs. Now watch God's pleading here and watch people's responses, okay? Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded it. But ye have said it not all my counsel and would none of my... I tried to reprove you. I tried to counsel you. You just set it aside. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, and I'll not answer. They'll seek me early. They'll not find me. For or because that they knew, I'm sorry, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. You want to do your own thing? You eat what your life produces. Good or bad, it's all you get. Watch what he says here. They would none of my counsel. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own device. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from their fear of evil. God is saying, why won't you listen to me? Why won't you listen to me? Why is our world becoming so opposed to Christianity? Why? What is so threatening about it? 
Why do they hate? Why did Hitler bring all the violence? Why did Mussolini hate Christians? Why did people down through time, Catholics, Lutherans, and even some Baptists, want to destroy Bible-believing people from it? Why? Why? What is the big hairy deal? Because truth is light. And light that shows in darkness will set people free. And the devil doesn't want that. Hate to be so logical, but that's the way it works. Do not keep ignoring God. Now we know the why. How about the how? Repentance towards God. You said, I said all of that to do this. When have you ever thought on God and say, change? repentance is a change of mind of what you always believe to what is right to believe. I repent. I changed my mind about that. When's the last time you thought about God and said, God, you know something? I'm wrong. You're right. I'm changing my mind about this. I really, this is what Bible preaching is supposed to help you do. You know why? Because whoever controls the mind controls the person. In Acts 20, 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 30, but now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You know why God's commanding? Because the only choice you got, please just change your mind about all this. You, you got to see this though. Go to 2 Corinthians. I'll stop right here if I can. I promise. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, go to chapter number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. I was talking to someone just yesterday and brought this illustration up to them. And people are always amazed about this truth. Watch what it has to say. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, there are two types of sorrow. Two types of sorrow that God points out here. Two types of sorrow. In chapter number, uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter number 7, go down to verse number 9. Chapter 7, verse number 9. I'm not going to go home first. Sorry, my bad. 2 Corinthians, chapter 7. There we go, verse number 9. Watch what it says. Second Corinthians 7, 9. Not by his coming only. This is it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go down, go down to verse 7. But by a consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, not like the mourning day, but your crying and your, your sadness, your fervent mind towards me, so that I rejoiced the more. Ready? Ready? Watch. Verse 8. For though I may, now Paul's writing a letter, to the Corinthians, and they got real sorrowful about what he wrote, very sorrowful. Reason is, if you know anything about the book of Corinthians, that church was an absolute mess. Everything they did was contrary to the word of God just about, and Paul had to write this scathing letter, two of them, actually it was three of them. He wrote them these letters and said, here's what he said, watch. For though, verse 8, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. I'm not changing my mind. You needed to receive this. Watch what he says. Though I did repent. Paul said, I, I wish I would have repented. I, I really didn't want to, but I had to. For I perceived that the same epistle, that's a letter, hath made you sorry, though it was but for a season. Verse 9. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, sorrow, uh, sorry, but that you, you sorrowed to repentance 
For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive, uh, I'm sorry, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. Watch, look at verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. people come to church and go to an altar because of what the world is happening in their life. Man, things aren't working out. Why can't I go to church? Um, my wife and I split it up. I think I'll, I'll go to church and see if anything happens. So we have this sorrow. So we come to church. Then you hear the message and you decide, I need to go to the altar and have prayer. It's a good idea. There are two types of sorrows. By that, you'll find out one is a worldly sorrow. Guess what it brings about? Guess what it works? Death. No change. The other one is a sorrow towards God that you never have to repent over again. You know what he's saying? He's simply saying a lot of people will come to an altar, your bed, your, your prayer place, wherever you go, wherever you fall apart and you get, you know, and, and there you are and you're saying, God, ready? Help my marriage. Help me get a job. Bring my kids back home. Help us make ends meet. Watch over my health. You know what all those are? A worldly sorrow. It's everything to do about this world. You get up from the altar, you feel better, and you think you got saved. Question, while you were praying, was there anything in mind, heart, or words that said anything concerning Jesus Christ, what he did for you, how wicked of a sinner you are, or did you just have a worldly sorrow that said, I didn't mean to do this, and if you'll help me do that, and I'll never try that again, and if you'll just give me my health, and if you'll just, that's a worldly sorrow, and it's not going to produce anything. Just death, just go right on. But a godly sorrow, Worketh repentance, change of mind, unto salvation, which never needs to be repented of again. Once saved, always saved. Illustration. When I was in the military, uh, I did something pretty bad and uh, was looking at 10 to 25 years of life. And uh, now, as good Christians, you just want to know what I did, right? And so, um, that's a lot of pressure for barely an 18-year-old kid. I was guilty, right, trying to get out of it. And I remember once I got out of jail and on recognizance and all that stuff for my captain, and uh, I was walking across a parade field, and I don't know what it is. Somehow when we're in real trouble, we think, maybe I ought to go to church. You ever wonder about that? Ain't God good? I'm going to point you in the right direction. I can't make you do anything, but I, so, so I saw this walking across this parade field. Man, I was just crying. Broken man, I'm looking. My whole life is ruined. And I looked up, and there's this chapel. It's like a small church at a in the military base. I think I'll go in there and pray. What made me think of that? You say, well, preacher, that's good. So I went in there, got down on my knees. Listen to me carefully. Folded my hands, looked up to heaven. Eyes were filled with tears. My heart was so burdened. And I promised God everything I could think of. 
God, you get me out of this, I'll never do this again. Lord, if you'll just help them to overlook this, I'll never go that direction again. Lord, if you'll put a stop to this and I'm not facing real time, I'll never do this again. And I promised him everything concerning the world. Not one time did I bring up Christ. Not one time did I say I was a sinner. Not one time did I say I was guilty. Worldly sorrow. And an awful feeling, thought came across me at the time. You know what it was? You think anybody was listening? It just felt empty. Maybe this is why people come to the Lord and go right back to what they used to do. The only thing you were sorry for was your life. Had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Worldly sorrow, godly sorrow. Do you remember coming to an altar? Do you remember praying? Do you remember bowing your head and asking Jesus to save you? Or, 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 Jesus, why did you take my kid? Please help me get through. Worldly sorrow. Oh, if we just had a decent place to live so I could raise my... Worldly sorrow. Had nothing to do with Jesus. You're sorry about your life. You're sorry about the world. Worldly sorrow. Sorrow concerning the things of the world. Godly sorrow pointed towards God. God, I'm coming to you. I'm changing my mind concerning your son, Jesus Christ. Now you're talking about salvation. Anything less than that. You say, I went to the altar. I remember God. People tell me that all the time. Here's my, here's my concern. Should be yours. Are you ready? Christian or sinner? Sinner, if you're not saved, you're not ready. Just forget the whole thing. There's no way. You don't have an argument. You're not going to stand there with your attorney. Uh, you're going to go off into eternity. You don't have a leg to stand on, not one. So let's just set that aside. You're going to die and go to hell. I'm not happy about that. God doesn't want it. You made a choice. You say, I've never really made that choice. By not John uh, Romans chapter 3, verse number 18. This is the condemnation. This is the condemnation. And then he tells us what that is. You did not receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You're condemned already. You're not one day going to be condemned. You're condemned already. And he tells us because thou hast not received the only begotten Son of God. You're not one day going to be judged. Look, folks, when you die here, you're going to the great white throne judgment or you're going to the judgment seat of Christ. Saved, lost. Neither one of those places determine if you're going to heaven or hell. You're going to heaven here, you're going to hell there. You've been lied to. You've been deceived. You've been misled by public school teachers, by maybe your own family, by false religions and people who didn't know their Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to me. Listen to me well. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, the Bible said, many shall be ashamed at his appearing. Wait a minute. He's coming back. I'm a Christian. Then what's the, I'll be ashamed at his appearing. Because I know I haven't been living the way I should. I know I haven't done my best for Jesus. I know. My life is lousy. And I'm not a real Christian like I'm telling. I'm saved, but I'm not acting like Christ. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? I'm closing. We were out yesterday, 40 or 50 of us, knocking doors, probably talking to hundreds of people yesterday, hundreds of people. One woman said, I'll never come back to that church. Another person, we were walking back to our car, said, Pastor Bell. I said, yeah. You don't remember me, do you? I wish people quit asking me that. 
He, he was like seven when he came here. Now he's like over, over 30. Oh, yeah, I remember distinctly. Uh, and I said, no, I don't. Here's what he said. I rode your bus when I was a little kid. He said, I like going to church. He said, I talk to my wife about my Lord. I said, why don't you come on back? He said, I've been thinking about that. You that are Christian, when you die, is there anybody else other than you, yours, and what belongs to you? Have you helped anybody? anybody in this entire world other than you and yours that you try to help. I'm not talking about mowing their lawn, painting their barn. I'm not trying to make you think I'm a great person because I'm not. I'm not going to try to make you think that I'm sinless because nobody's that way and I'm a big sinner. I'm not standing up here because I'm perfect. I'm standing up here because God told me this is what you do. I want you to do it doing the best I know how. Got to thinking about this the other day and thought, when I die, what is my life amounted to? What has it amounted to? What, what do you, if you had to weigh it all up, I made thousands of dollars. Yay! I worked 25 years and retired. Yay! That, that's it? That's it? That's it? That's your whole life. That's the meaning of your entire life. stand before the Lord, can you present him with anything eternal? What he gave you, his life for you. Anything? Did you win anybody to Christ? Did you bring anybody to church? Did you ever win anybody? Did you raise your kids for the Lord? Did you teach at Sunday school and actually cared about those kids or those people you were talking to? What does it matter? Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand? It's all being written down. And an hour as you think not, behold, the Son of Man cometh. Are you ready? Can you give an answer for your life? No? I told you you're in. Saved, lost. I told you. Well, God did. Where are you going? Which one of those can you answer for? Which way are you going right now? Not will you go, right now. You're making a decision even this morning. I'm just not ready. What in the world are you waiting on? Be pinned underneath a fiery car somewhere, crash in an airplane, fall over behind. What are you waiting on? Well, I just don't think that's your problem. church all their life. Are you ready to meet the Lord today? 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 Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ at all? He died for you. This is not done in a secret. It's not done in a back alley somewhere. He died for you, and you know it. 
you have just decided to live in ignorance or I just don't know. Set thy house in order, and today you shall die. 